Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Adverse University. We are very excited to have our guest today. She is from Delfield, Wisconsin. She has the most wins, saves, and minutes played in Badger women's history, won a national championship in 2011, is a five-time world champion, and also won a gold medal in, 20, in the 2018 Olympics. On top of that, she was the first female ever drafted in the USHL and the first goalie to be named captain of the Badger women's hockey team. We would list all of her accolades, but it would take at least 20 minutes. Welcome, Alex Cavallini. Seriously, I looked up all the uh, accolades you had after you had sent a few, and it, it was absurd. Um, <laughs> quite, quite accomplished, to say the least. So, Alex, what have you uh, been doing to stay busy during quarantine? Um, I mean, my main task of the day is literally to work out, so it's been pretty nice. Uh, we have a great setup here. My father-in-law, so I'm staying at my in-laws right now. We left New York City eight weeks ago, thinking we'd be here for a week, and here we are, still here, not knowing we're going to go back, but we're pretty lucky just because uh, my father-in-law got their weight room, out, or like their little weight set out of storage. So we have like a squat rack and all that. So it's been good. And otherwise, a lot of board games and puzzles and things like that. Nice. Yeah, just finding any way to stay busy. Um, me and Sean are fortunate enough that we're living together right now. So, um, you know, we do anything we can to stay busy. We actually... As I mentioned you earlier, Alex, we got jobs at Home Depot and same, you know, working out in the morning. So we've actually been quite busier than I would have ever imagined, especially uh, during a time like this. Yeah, good for you guys. So even though there isn't an NHL team, there's no doubt that Wisconsin is a huge hockey state. What was it like growing up in Wisconsin? And did you always dream of playing for the hometown Badgers? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, growing up, I feel like so women's hockey didn't come in to the Badgers until like 2001 or 2000 or 2001. Um, so at that point, I was eight, nine years old. And um, so I didn't really know much about women's hockey at that point. Um, they were playing out of the, the Caps Arena uh, in Madison. Um, and so that was before they moved over to the Cole Center. But so I didn't really know much about that growing up. I just remember hearing that there was a women's team and that'd be really cool. Um, I feel like the idea kind of came about more so when I was in eighth grade, um, eighth, ninth grade. I took my first visit when I was in ninth grade. And so from that point forward, um, it was my dream to want to want to play there. I definitely kept my options open and you know, looked at other places, but it was always like Wisconsin here, every other school here. Um, and so I was really happy when I was finally able to commit, um, really dragged the coaches along. So I felt a little bad about that, but I just wanted to make sure everything was good and in order and I'm really happy with my decision. Yeah. Awesome. And then obviously in a, you know, a situation where you're committing, you want to make sure that you're going to a place that you feel at home. Um, so that's good that you did take your time and um, I'm sure the coaches understood and obviously look at what you did there. So um, good for them for hanging on. Um, yeah. 
it was cool. It was, you know, it was the best decision. I mean, I mean, when I was looking, I wasn't necessarily looking to, you know, be close to home. I I wasn't afraid to leave, but in the end, I was so happy that I chose that school and, you know, had family close and had the best coaching staff there is. And you're treated like absolute pros there. Yeah. No kidding. Both of my parents are from Wisconsin too. So whenever we visit, it's Bucky Badger, everything, even like the yeah. ice cream brands are Bucky Badger. So I'm sure there's yeah. a little of, uh, subliminal messaging going on there too. Yeah. Yeah. Madison's a great college town. Um, so you had very high aspirations in a typically male dominant sport. What challenges did you have to face and was there ever criticism that came along with that? Yeah. I mean, I didn't really realize it at a young age. Um, you know, none of my friends, like my girlfriends at school were playing hockey. Um, I had one actually, but other than that, it was, you know, always boys and didn't really think much of it. And I knew that there was an Olympic team that I could someday play on. And that was kind of my goal early on when the women won in 98 for the gold medal. Um, But other than that, I just didn't really know much about women's hockey. And so I just kept chugging along in in the boys world until I got a little bit older. And it was then that I started having coaches and parents from other teams coming up to me and being like, you need to be playing girls hockey. You're never going to get seen. You're too good. Like you need to be seen by these college coaches. And, you know, for me at the time I had skated a little bit with the girls and I was playing triple A boys hockey. So it was such a dramatic difference. Um, You know, women's hockey wasn't where it is today, especially in the youth levels. And, um, you know, I kept, kept going along with it and kept trying out, kept making the teams and, um, for me, there was no reason to go and play um, on the girls' side until my first time was when I was in college. But yeah, that was the wild thing was that parents would be telling me that I need to change teams and coaches I'd never even met were being like, you need to get out of the boys. You need to play girls hockey. And um, the first person to actually recruit me was, um, or who, who kind of made, put me on the board with Wisconsin was, um, I think it was Osiki, Mark Osiki from the, the men's side. I think that was him. It was one of the men's coaches. And he let Mark Johnson know about me. So, you know, I was still getting seen. I made sure coaches, you know, from women's hockey knew that I was playing where and when. And um, so I try to make it as easy on them as possible to kind of recruit me. Yeah, I think something that is underestimated is that the hockey world is so small. People always talk. It doesn't matter where you're from. There's players from Alaska getting recruited. There's players from all corners of uh, the country and even the world. So as long as you excel in what you do, you definitely make a name for yourself. And it's awesome to see how far you went. Um, Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's what's crazy too now. It's just like, I think there's, there's so many more teams and there's so many more people who are dedicating their time to recruiting and scouting. And, um, you know, I think that if there were any girls that they would be found in the the men's realm and um, they shouldn't be afraid of that. So you briefly went over it, but you played your entire life on boys hockey teams. And you mentioned that it wasn't until your freshman year of college that you played on the all girls team. How did you handle not having other girls to relate to growing up and going through a confusing stage of life, honestly? And do you think playing with boys helped you or hurt you in the long run? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely different. Um, You know, I was changing the guys locker room. We even into high school and you know, they would put their undergear on. I'd already be changing in my undergear, like, for games, and then I'd come in the locker room. Um, I was really fortunate to have 
uh, guys on the team who treated me like their sister. That was kind of, you know, the thing that the coaches always harped on was that treat this like your sister. And they were all my brothers. And, um, you know, I got along with all of them really well. And definitely they made me competitive and made me have to prove myself every year. It was the same thing every year. I had to come back on the team, had to prove that I belong there. And, um, you know, I deserved to be there and I wasn't just taking some guy's spot because I was a girl that they wanted to kind of work with. It was because I had the ability to play there. And, um, you know, I was really lucky to have such great teammates along the way. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was just different. I played part-time girls for two seasons and then I was on the U18 team. And so I got interactions there. And then, um, I also played with Brianna Decker for one season with Wisconsin AAA. So she's my current teammate. And, so it's been fun knowing her for as long as we have. And same thing with Kendall Coyne. She would come practice with our team at the Chicago Mission. So it's always nice to kind of have someone who you could relate to and understand and or they understood what you're going through. And um, yeah, it was just it was a totally different thing once you got into the the girls locker room at Wisconsin. It was, you know, so fun to be around other women and, you know, you just had so much fun in there. And so um you know, at first it was kind of like, oh, I've been missing this for a while, but I definitely look back and be like, no, you know, the boys hockey helped get me to where I am today. And I have no regrets with playing with them. And um, yeah, I learned a ton from it. And still it makes me, makes me appreciate just growing up with them. And, um, you know, even today, I, I don't get afraid to go on the ice with guys and um, still have guys shoot on me. And, you know, Gary and I skated for a bit when I was out of college. So, you know, I still stay around it. I think it's awesome that <clears throat> it just shows that, and that's the biggest part of us doing this podcast, right? Is that no one, no one's path is the same. And I think it's awesome that you took a completely different path than, you know, the average female would in the sport of hockey and look, you know, look, it, it worked out for you. So I guess for, you know, other girls out there, and I think you can attest to this, that it doesn't matter what path you're playing, you know, you're, you're on as long as you're playing it, the highest possible level you can, you know, play and compete at. Um, so that's awesome that you've taken a totally different path and clearly made, you know, a great, great name for yourself in the sport of hockey. Um, as a goalie, you're in your own space on the ice. Um, I assume you had your own locker room as a girl. You mentioned that uh, you did share a locker room a little bit with the guys. Uh, but do you think that there was a difference between the bonding with the women and the bonding with the, the guys? Um, and how did you stay included on the team mentally and not feel left out when you were playing on the men's teams? Yeah, I mean, I definitely was a tomboy growing up. Uh, everyone would know that. Um, so I feel like I fit in really well with the guys and um, just became friends with them. I mean, I think they saw me for who I was and didn't really think about gender. And I think that, like I said before, that helped with the coaches too. I mean, my father-in-law was my coach and he's the one who brought me into AAA hockey when I was in fifth grade. And he saw me as a hockey player, not as a female hockey player. And, um, you know, I think just making sure that you have, I had to have tough skin. I'm not going to lie. You know, I get picked on other guys got picked on, but that was a thing. Like you see it and boys, you know, they're goofy and, you know, mischievous and whatever. And, you know, I think even my now husband, we were teammates and he was, he was a little shit like he <laughs> him and I were we would fight like brother and sister and you know you would see the kind of look behind his eyes like oh he's up to something now and like I think it was just kind of hanging in there with them and you know I'm not saying that I was getting behind any of those 
things that they were doing, but, you know, just kind of having that tough skin, making sure that, you know, when they would pick on you or say things, you, you wouldn't take offense to it. I mean, I grew up with two brothers. So it was the same thing with them. And um, I think that helped me a lot, but, you know, growing up and maturing with them, seeing them mature and, um, you know, it was fun. Like it was, you know, I just was really lucky. I was driving down to Chicago with two guys and um, that was in eighth grade and ninth grade. And that's a huge time for, you know, maturity and going through puberty and different things like that. And um, for me, it was, you know, always just trying to remember that end goal. Like I'm here because I want to play at the next level. This is what's going to help me. Um, I can handle the words. I know that they're here for me. They're just messing around, like things like that. Um, so yeah, I just never let it really, I tried to not let it get to me when things would get said, but other than that, like, like I said, I was really lucky with my experiences. I think another point that I've been thinking about is that you didn't may have not even known it because you were so young, but you were pushing outside of your comfort zone this whole time and pushing yourself to do things that were challenging. And that's what ultimately led to your success because that's where the growth comes from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think about even when I was, would go to practice, especially when I got older, um, you know, I, I knew how important practice was. I knew how important the games were. And I remember just driving to the rink and I'd start to get like a pit in my stomach and like not really realizing that until later on that I'm like, I was nervous. And like, that was what was getting me prepared for these practices that I knew that I had to perform well and I couldn't afford to take a day off and, and things like that. And so I think it definitely challenged me and, and pushed me out of my comfort zone, like you said. And um, you know, I really have no regrets on any of that. What a young age to, you know, have to be able to go to the rink that prepared every single day. I know that I didn't really start doing that and not because I didn't want to, but because it's so hard to do, especially mentally, but I didn't really do that till I'd say college or at least learn how to do that. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, you know, going through tough times and uh, battling through it before your freshman and sophomore seasons, you needed major hip surgery. What was your mindset going into those surgeries and during the recovery process? It's kind of crazy. The first one, um, I injured, I got injured at my senior year and it was to the point where I'm like, I couldn't sit. Like, I know you've had hip surgery too. And like, I couldn't sit in class. I couldn't sit in the car. I was just like miserable all the time and trying to get up and out of my butterfly hurt and didn't really know what's going on. I was going to physical therapy. No one really knew. Um, finally I went to a doctor and this doctor, I went to a doctor in Milwaukee and this is before hip surgery was even common, like the labor repair and things like that. And, um, went to this guy in Milwaukee and does my scans and he's like, all right, so you, you need a labral repair. Like it's a big major hip surgery. You're never going to be able to play at the lead level that you're playing again. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm going to Wisconsin next year. And like, I want to play in the Olympic team. That's my dream. And he's like, yeah, no, like this, you're not going to be able to really recover from this. Um, it's going to be really tough. Blah, blah, blah. I left there like falling. Like I was in hysteria. Like, like, I'm not getting this done. I'll pay, play through the pain. Like, it's not worth it. And so my mom, who's always been my biggest advocate, she was reaching out to people all over the country, all these different doctors, and ended up finding Dr. Philippon out in Vail. And they provided the comfort being like, you're going to come out of this stronger than ever. You're going to feel better. It's, you're going to be so happy you got this done. And so um, with that, felt really comfortable going out to Vail. And um, knew it was gonna be a long road. Don't think I knew it was gonna be hard as hard as it was. Um, you know, the whole process of learning to skate again and just even firing muscles and 
um, things like that. So in the end, I'm happy I did it, but it definitely has been like a big battle. I'm still consistently working on it. And I think as I got older, I got even more mature with everything and realized that, you know, I can't just show up to the rink and be ready to go. I have to do a whole warm up. And I think we all kind of realize that as our, our bodies get, you know, thrown through things and, you know, we get older, but, um, you know, I think definitely worked out, but it was a long road and it kind of kept me out of the national team, um, thing for a little bit, but it's all right. Like got better from it and happy I got it done when I did. I hope you sent uh, the doctor that told you you'd never be able to play competitively again a picture of you with the national championship <laughs> less than a year later. <laughs> I know. I, I just I couldn't believe it. And, yeah, I don't even remember his name, but I just remember leaving there just an absolute mess. So happy I, I didn't go there. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to have my hip surgeries done when, you know, it was a little bit more progressive in technology. And now it's not really an invasive surgery. Um, you know, it's just kind of two little uh, microscopes that go in and get the job done. So very fortunate to have gone through that. But yeah, the recovery process for me, I think was around six months and same thing hard to go through just, you know, like you said, refiring muscles and really learning how to become a goalie again. You have the, you know, the quick twitch, but I mean, dropping down to the butterfly for the first time was one of the scariest things I think I've ever had to go through. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. I think I stood there for 10 minutes looking down at the ice and be like, okay, I'm going to drop into a butterfly. I'm going to be okay. Like I did it in Vail. I went back and I was skating in Vail. Like I had a checkup and so like, all right, we're taking you to the rink across the parking lot. Let's go. Like you're going to learn how to do this again. And I was absolutely terrified. And as soon as I did it and like dropped into a butterfly and didn't feel anything, I'm like, okay. It's all going to be okay. We're going to be good. But yeah, that was a terrifying moment. Wow. So you had an amazing career as a four-year starter at Wisconsin. A lot of people would have thought that you would have made the Olympic roster as a result. However, in 2014, when the women's roster for the Sochi Olympics was announced, your name wasn't on it. How did you take this news and how did it change you as an athlete? It's pretty devastating, not going to lie. Um, yeah, it was it was heartbreaking. I mean, I had been on the team for the whole year prior. Um, so I wasn't a part of the national team for my freshman part of sophomore year because I had been battling those hip injuries and um, didn't go to camp. So I couldn't get try out for the team. And so, you know, finally I had my opportunity to try out again, made the team, um, was on the team for the full year and went into tryouts feeling great. Um, felt really prepared knew that if I, you know, pretty much left it into me controlling the controllables, right? Like I went into it being like, this is my opportunity. I'm going to take it. I'm going to run with it. I'm not going to give the coaches any reason to cut me. And so at the end of the camp, I felt great. Um, and then they read off the roster in alphabetical order. And as soon as I heard two of the goalies names, I'm like, yeah, I didn't make the team. It was, they only brought four goalies to tryouts and they took three goalies. And so that was pretty heartbreaking. Um, went back to Wisconsin, regrouped a bit, um, you know, was lucky enough to have my senior season to look forward to. And I had great teammates who picked me up and um, my support system and stuff who were incredible. And 
you know, I took a different perspective. I think that's when I really got like a different perspective in mind. Um, you know, up until that point, I was like, Olympics, hockey, this is my life. This is what I'm going to do. And for the first time, I'm like, hockey may not be in my cards. Like, that's like, this is might be it, like after my senior year. So I'm going to have fun. So I took it. We had an absolute amazing team, had a blast. Um, it was the first time that I wasn't worrying about national team camps and things like that. And they called me up a few weeks before the Olympics and they're like, Hey, can you be an alternate? Um, and things like that. But yeah, it was, it was hard. And then after my senior season, I had to make the decision like, all right, am I going to, you know, give up and get a job or am I going to continue to play hockey? And took a long time to think about that, decided I wanted to keep playing and, um, you know, obviously really happy that I, that I did continue to do it. As an Olympic athlete, four years between events is so long. How are you able to keep that big picture in mind, especially at a young age, still a college student? How are you able to say this dream is worth pushing, giving everything I have for another four years just to get another shot at it? Yeah, it's crazy to think about. Um, you know, that year I was a fifth year in college. And so I was just taking a few classes and was a intern with the marketing department at Wisconsin. I was skating with uh, the Caps USHL team. Uh, so I got to do that. And that was great. Just being able to go out for practices and stuff like that. And um, it was hard like that year, especially just because up until that point, you have everything planned out, you know, when your practices are like, even through youth hockey, right? Like, you know, you have school, you know, you have practice, you know, you have games, like this is where you're going to be. And that was the first year where I'm like, wow, I have to plan my workout times. I have to plan my treatments. I have to, you know, figure out where I'm skating. And so that year I got on with a goalie coach, Larry Clemens, um, who Garrett and I work with. And um, it was life changing. I mean, I skated with Jesse Vetter. He was she was still playing at the time and she was an incredible mentor for me. And she showed me that balance and how important it is just to have fun, be on the ice, you know, be competitive and things like that, but also like know that there's more than hockey in your life. And so I think that was a huge change of a mindset for me where I'm like, I can't just go, you know, boom, boom, boom in the weight room all the time. Like I have to like, listen to my body. I have to have balance. I need to have fun. Um, and so that was a great, great change for me and I think that just kind of having that mindset made it a lot easier to kind of be like okay I'm in this for the next three years and so you know you kind of take it a season at a time went through that first season it was a great season next season you know became you know earned the starting position starting spot and um, so that just gets a little easier as you get a little bit closer and the intensity definitely goes up for sure though. We'll do a little shout out to Larry for uh, any of the goalies out in Wisconsin. Definitely want to skate with him, as Rigsby and I can attest to. Uh, very knowledgeable in the game and uh, also just a great guy. Um, you mentioned you skated with the Caps. Obviously, I was there, and it was awesome having you around and just being so competitive with the guys. And I didn't know this until I talked to you earlier, but you were drafted by the Chicago Steel in the USHL. Can you walk us through that a little bit? <laughs> yeah no definitely shout out to Larry he's definitely changed my life since since college um so USHL so that's when I was playing boys and so um I was picking up my brother from lacrosse and all of a sudden like I started getting all these texts and texts and calls from my teammates I was like what are they like what are they up to and 
they're like congratulations and I'm like what are you talking about they're like you just got drafted I was like for what and they're like the USHL they just drafted you I'm like oh my gosh so talk to the coaches right after that they called me up they're like congratulations you deserve it um we've seen you play and I later on heard the story from their goalie coach saying that I was playing in the game at their rink in in Bensonville and I was at the other end and the coach was like talking to the goalie coach and was like, Hey, that, that guy's really good. Like, who is that? Blah, blah, blah. And like, my name's Alex too. So like, it can go both ways. And so, you know, like keep complimenting me. And then I come to the other end and you see like my big ponytail in the back and was like, please, the guy goes, please tell me that's a guy with long hair. (laughs) And So they still continue to draft me. So like, I mean, you know, kudos to them for looking past gender and you know drafting me and it was an awesome experience I'll never forget going there showing up with my hockey bag and guys kind of just looking at me like who's this person like are you lost like what are you doing people ask me like hey what are you here for I'm like you're to try out for the cat or for the the Chicago Steel and um so they always kind of be like what are you talking about and so it started off with like you know the goalie thing where they cut it down from like 40 some to 20 some and like 46 goalies down to, you know, 24 goalies or something like that. And then um, ended up making it to the final game with three goalies left and didn't make it. But, you know, overall, it was just a really cool experience. I was really proud with, of how I did and um, I was able to compete out there. So it was fun. And my goalie partner, this is actually funny, my goalie partner at the time was also trying out and we were playing in a game against each other. And the ref comes up to me like mid game. Like I just made a save. He's like, Hey, that goalie down there wants to fight you. And I was like, ha, okay, (laughs) "Hey, Baldy, like whatever. And keeps coming up. Like, you know, he really wants to drop the gloves. I'm like, I'm not dropping the gloves with him. Like I know him. And Baldy comes up to me after and was like, dude, why did you keep telling the ref that you wanted to fight me? And I was like, are you serious? The ref was going up to both of us being like, Hey, he wants to fight. Hey, she wants to fight. I'm like, you kidding? Like, could you imagine if we just went to center ice and just dropped the gloves? Like, <laughs> Could have had the but first no, goalie drafted in the first uh, female goalie fight. Yeah. Probably not sure about that, but yeah, no, it was, it was cool. It was fun. It was a cool, cool experience for sure. Especially because everyone, all my teammates were going through that at the time. And, um, you know, it was just cool to be able to experience that with them. Yeah, really cool. You talk about the fighting. It's funny because, um, you know, Luke, but when I played yeah. in Madison, there was two separate occasions where he literally was yelling at me to skate down the ice and fight. Uh, actually, Ben Blacker, who now plays for Western Michigan, he played for Cedar Rapids at the time, and Ben's a little bit of a smaller guy. And I don't think he wanted anything to do with it. But Luke would just be going nuts, yelling at me to skate down the ice and fight that kid. And I'm like, Luke, I already don't play a lot, you know, this year. And um, I'm going to have to sit out for like five games if I do this. Yeah. I didn't want any part of it, but I stood on the, you know, center ice and waited for him. So thankfully he didn't, he didn't want any part of it because I would, oh my. I would have been in the stands for a while. At least you attempted it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's fair. I need to do it before my career is over, though. Hopefully yeah. I don't get my ass kicked. Um, <laughs> so going back to the Olympics, uh, you were eventually able to crack the Olympic roster, um, you know, and you, you gained the starting role for the entire year of 2017. Um, the next year when the 2018 Olympics happened, 
you didn't play a single game. What was it like losing the starting job? And once again, how did you use this as motivation to battle back in the starting role you currently sit in? It was hard. Oh, man. Like, you know, I had come in and I had competed against three two-time Olympians and I had been in the mix with them for so long at that point. And, um, you know, one retired and then, you know, I just had kind of, I finally had broken into it and I had made my, you know, um, sorry, made like finally made the starting position. And, um, you know, we had this coach, Ken Klee. Um, you didn't play with his son at Caps, did you? Uh, Garrett Klee? Yeah. I played with him for a little bit, I believe, in Waterloo. Okay. So, yeah, Ken Klee was our coach after the 2014 Olympics, and he was incredible. I mean, he was a total players coach. Like, we all loved him. And so, you know, he had gained confidence in me and, you know, we had a great relationship. And in December of 2016, we got a call saying that he was no longer going to be our coach and our goalie coach was now going to be our head coach. And so that big adjustment really kind of threw a wrench in my whole progression. Um, I ended up getting injured before um, the 2017 World Championships we had a camp in February and he or it was in March or something. And he um, started off with breakaways and I tore my hip capsule. So that was kind of like a big time as to when I was like, okay, I really need to get my whole hip thing under control and, um, you know, created the whole warm up routine and things like that. And so at, it was like a six to eight week recovery and worlds were at four weeks and, the Olympic trials were at eight weeks. So I wasn't in my best spot. Um, and I knew that, and that was pretty unfortunate. And then going to the Olympic year, um, a goalie who had made the team for the first time was Maddie Rooney and she had made the team for worlds. And all of a sudden she was a starting goalie. Um, so it was hard. Like, I mean, it was nothing, you know, I wouldn't say it was my ability at all during the Olympic year. And I think that's what was so hard was that I still was battling. I was still competing. I was still doing really well. And, the coach just didn't ride me. And I think that's such a great lesson for so many goalies is to just, you know, understand at times where it's like, okay, you're doing all the work and the cards just aren't in it for you and um, to accept that role. And so, you know, the Olympics, I definitely accepted the role. It was as hard as it was. Um, the thing that was really hard was that there was no communication as to who was playing what. Um, so I never would have imagined that I didn't, I wouldn't play a single minute at the Olympics. And I think that was, a really hard pill to swallow um and so obviously we came out and we won and that's like the best thing ever and you know you want to be so supportive for your goalie partners and uh, it was a dream come true to still win in the olympics and stuff but definitely you know had the mindset when i came back for this you know the season after is i want to be back and i want to be the starting goalie um and so i earned that starting position back we had a new coach and earned that starting position back and um you know, I've kind of had that for the last couple of seasons. And just to go off that too, you know, with my goalie partners, Nicole Hensley and Maddie Rooney, I mean, we went through so much, like the adversity that we all faced during that Olympic year is something that, you know, not many people can really say they've ever been through or can understand. And so the three of us definitely have a bond that way. And, um, you know, obviously Maddie played incredible and got us the gold medal. And um, yeah, I think that's just a, a thing for goalies is, you know, only one person starts and that's the tough position. That's a tough part of position. I mean, 
you know, you're not always going to play every game, but it's taking that opportunity when you do get it and making sure that, um, you know, you play your best game possible and that you're prepared to do so. Yeah. yeah I think that saying is uh, success is when preparation meets opportunity. So you did everything you could to prepare. And when you do get that opportunity again, hopefully you can run with it. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Um, and Sean can attest to this, something similar. Uh, when I moved here and I played on the U18 team when I was living with Sean at the time, my goalie partner, Jacob Weatherly, was very good, played, you know, almost every game. I think I played 10 games that entire year. Um, but you talk about mindset. I learned to just, as you said, just be the best teammate uh, you possibly can be and be so supportive of your, your teammates and uh, your friends. And to be honest, that year I didn't want to be known as – the backup goalie that was pouting on the end of the bench. I wanted to be, you know, the best teammate and uh, their, their motivator and someone that they can lean on and someone that just supported them. And it was funny because by the end of the year, uh, one of my nicknames and even the coaches called me, this was coach G. I would stand on <laughs> the back of the bench and, you know, let a guy know if he had a good shift or if I saw something I felt I could chime in on, I would try to help them out. So um, I think no matter what situation you're put in, it's really all about mindset. And as you mentioned earlier, controlling the controllables, um, which I think is your attitude and your effort. So. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I, that's what I say too. Like, especially at the Olympics, oh, I was an absolute hype man. Like, yeah, I would just like, I was my, I'd wake up in the morning and be like, I am going to be the best teammate <laughs> I could possibly be today. I was like, I can't wait to be a great teammate. Like I'm going to go there. Like, you know, still worked my butt off in practice and, um, you know, just had so, try to have fun with the players and, you know, get the energy going and, and things like that. And, you know, I just tried to have that mindset as best I could and be as supportive of a goalie partner as I could, like, um, you know, just trying to hype Maddie up as much as I could and, and things like that. I mean, in the end, you're there to win, you know, that's it. Like, and I, I was just on a gold medal webinar with, uh, Tim, uh, Jim Craig and Steve Janisak and you know Steve was just talking about how you know same thing for him like he was just trying to you know he was sharpening skates and things like that he was just trying to do whatever he could to you know help everyone and and Jim will say first first thing he said was Janny was the best goalie partner I could possibly have and so I'm like that's just a great lesson for all goalies out there is to you know don't sit there and pout and, you know, feel sorry for yourself. There's only one person you can start. Like players don't really understand that. And, um, you know, they'll never really kind of go understand what you go through when you're, if you're sitting in the stands or whatever by yourself and, um, but you're still trying to be the best teammate you can be. Yeah. And going off that, I would say, don't accept, you know, being the second person still practice and practice. And even if you are the starter practice and play as if you are the backup and you're still trying to earn that starting role. But for me, once I accepted that, you know, that mentality of I'm not going to worry about if I'm playing and if I do play great, I'm going to do my best and take advantage of the opportunity. But if I'm not, I'm just going to be the best human and teammate I possibly can. And once I mentally accepted that I had so much fun with the game. Yeah. It makes it so much better. I mean, how hard is it when you're sitting there and be like, oh, like, I feel so bad for myself. Like, you're just sitting there and you're all, and it's like, it makes me miserable. Like, that's not fun at all. Like, it's going to make it so hard to go through to the rink. And that's obviously why you, you're continuing to play at such a high level and gotten to where you are too. Because, the, you know, the mindset, it's all about it. Yeah. From a player standpoint, 
when a goalie who isn't really playing or players who aren't playing as much are still bringing positive energy and positive emotion to the team, it just helps so much because the game's all mental and the team has to be one full unit. You guys can't be divided. So it really helps. I played on that team with coach G and we were fired up to see him and he really did help us out a lot that year. Even he's not in there saving pucks, but he's still helping the team win games. So sounds like you guys did a great job of helping your teams out in that aspect. That's awesome. Making an impact. So not many people outside of hockey are familiar with this cause, unfortunately, but you are a member of the professional women's hockey players association. How are you trying to grow the game for the next generation of women? And what are you sacrificing for this cause? Been a, I think that's a key word, sacrifice. Um, last year, so two seasons ago, so the first year off the, um, out of the Olympics, that was when I was like, you know, I need to be the starting goalie. Like, I need to work towards it. How am I going to get there? And I decided to go play for the Canadian Women's Hockey League, the CWHL. And so I played for a team in Calgary. And so I was flying in and out of Madison just because I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm getting married next summer. I can't just uproot and leave my husband's in or my fiance's in grad school. And, um, you know, I was getting paid $2,000 Canadian. Like you can't just move. Like you can't just uproot your life for that kind of money. Like when I had so much else, you know, other things and I was like, okay, I'm going to work with Larry. Um, and then I'll fly in and out for games and meet the team in different places and whatever and it was an awesome experience like I loved it our team won the Clarkson Cup which was a final at the end of the year and it was just a really great season um and then we had our training camp and we were in Long Island New York we were there like two weeks after the season had ended and we were about to fly out to Finland for the world championships that year or yeah Finland was hosting the world championships and so we had a CWHL call and we're like, Oh, like maybe they're expanding. Like they're going to add a team or whatever. And so we're on this call and they're like, all right, so we have looked at the numbers. We have decided we're going to fold. And we're all like, what, like, what do you mean you're going to fold Canada who all played on the CW was already in Finland. Like they had just touched down there and then they just dropped this bomb on us. And so, you know, obviously for us, we're like, okay, we can't like, get too worked up over this we have to we're here for the world championships this is what we need to do but immediately you know we had most of our players playing in the NWHL and they're like we can't keep going on like this like this is clearly it's not neither of these leagues are sustainable and so spoke with the Canadians and quickly um, formed the the PWHPA and so that is consists of about 200 um, female hockey players that you know, we all believe in the same goal of wanting to create a sustainable hockey league where it's, you know, you get paid. We're not asking for millions of dollars. It's literally just like a livable wage. So people don't have to work and go to practice. And so want like a practice schedule, want support staff, want a competitive schedule. And so that's something that we strongly believe in. And so we took the stance that we weren't going to play in any league until um, the sustainable league came about. And so last year was the first season of that. And we had, um, we created this dream gap tour where we were going to different cities and would play in different, play different games and play like mini tournaments every weekend and um, or not every weekend, but when we would. And so it was hard. I mean, you'd be showing up to games and you wouldn't, you would be playing with new players the first time and um, then have to go out there and compete. So it's definitely, it was definitely a sacrifice for us, but we all believe 
you know, in the, the bigger picture that we want to be able to create a league for the next generation. So when girls do come out of college that they have something to look forward to and they have a league where they're like, okay, we can get paid. And so it's just similar to, you know, the WNBA and um, the women's soccer league. And so we'll see, we're going to keep, you know, we had a lot of momentum gained from this past season and obviously the world's kind of up in a halt right now. We're looking forward to kind of doing that same thing this upcoming year. You talk about uh, momentum. You were, you played at the NHL all-star game they had a little girls segment and also I'm not sure if you played in this, but I know that they had, uh, you know, a girls game in Anaheim, California, actually. And from what I saw, they had a great showing. Um, so did you play in that game? Yeah, I did. Yeah. It was How awesome. How awesome was that to see and have such support, especially, you know, not only in the state of California, but it was broadcasted on the NHL network and, you know, for you guys to get kind of the attention that you have been seeking. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, so we started off with the All-Star game, and that was so cool. I mean, we found out about it. I found out about it on, like, Christmas Eve, and they didn't announce it until, like, three weeks later. I think they announced it, like, a week and a half before the All-Star game. And um, from that point forward, we got great, you know, attention, and everyone was positive about it. And, um, you know, the NHL treated us so well when we were there. And so we played the first-ever women's three-on-three game, and unfortunately Canada came out on top on that one they won two to one but it was so cool I mean after I remember like you know obviously I was so mad that we lost and my husband was there my parents and I was like oh my god how was it like what do you think like was it a good showing and they're like are you serious and I was like what like I have no idea like how do the fans react they're like you guys had a standing ovation at the end I was like what like how do you even process that like it was one of those things where you're like going out there like, okay, we're going to compete, like ignore everything. And they're like, no, like that was the most focused, like anyone was the entire time because we'd be in the locker room, like watching on TV and like, you know, warming up, whatever. And for everything else. And like, no, like that was a great showing for women's hockey. And um, so we were super pumped. Dan and was pumped. Um, Susan Coeg, she's, she's a huge supporter of us within the NHL. And so she's kind of set the whole thing up and, it was awesome. And so then uh, we got home from that. And a day later, we were heading to camp for our rivalry series against Canada. And so that was a three-game series. So we had training camp in Anaheim. And then we flew up to Vancouver to go to Victoria Island, over back to Vancouver for a second game. And then third game was in, in Anaheim. So I had to start for the Anaheim game. And that was incredible. I mean, we had the record for most fans in a U.S. women's hockey game. And that was over 13,000. And so, um, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, kudos to Anaheim for picking up our game and running with it. And I think it just shows like the product that we have. And, um, you know, it was, it was a great game. It was exciting. We won in overtime and, um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was a cool game to be a part of. If you could go back and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? I think just uh, I would say have fun uh, dream big and have fun I think that's like such a big thing and I think as you get older too you have to kind of remind yourself of why you're playing and that you want to find the joy in things um, you know when it becomes not fun anymore that's when it kind of gets you know to be a really big grind and you just want to make sure that you're having fun with it at all times
Yeah, you have to love what you do. You can't make going to the rink a chore. And if you lose the joy in the game, I think it's important to just focus on what got you there in the first place. And at the end of the day, we were all just kids who loved to play our sport. And it's amazing that we've been able to take it this far. So it's awesome that you have found that passion. And we thank you so much for coming on the show. It was awesome to hear about your story. You have so many incredible moments and you were always able to overcome the adversity. And that's what we want to show people is that even though you're so successful and have all these huge moments that were really tough times in your life that you were able to overcome. And that's what brought you the success. Thank you. It was fun being on the show. Great job. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Can't thank you enough. Till I get up Time is barely on our side I don't wanna waste what's left The storms we chase are leading us And love is all we'll ever trust Yeah No, I don't wanna waste what's left